I'd like to invite you to walk backwards in time a few years. Back to a time when things felt less divided, less polarized, less politically exhausted and fraught. Take your mind there. Remember feeling more hopeful, more buoyed by possibilities and prospects, more receptive to light and fresh air and movement and growth. Me personally, I think of January 2009. And it certainly wasn't a perfect time, not completely easy. As a country, we were beginning to grapple with the Great Recession and anxious to move on from the Bush years. At the time, I was a young professor early in my teaching life. And instead of freezing in the upper Midwest where the snow had started before Halloween and would end only after Easter the next spring, I was instead freezing in our nation's capital, though more comfortably. I'd spent Christmas break with family and stayed around for Obama's first inauguration. The tricky part was doing all this from a wheelchair. I'd moved cross country to Minnesota in late summer, and I'd broken my leg three weeks in before I'd even fully unpacked my apartment and office, about a week before classes even started. It meant a series of painful surgeries to pin my leg back together, months of physical therapy, and endless succession of casts and boots and wheelchairs and walkers, and navigating a completely new city and new campus with only the help of new colleagues and friend networks cobbled together. People were kind and generous and understanding, but it was still a pretty rough introduction. For a few weeks that winter, though, I got to escape what I called Tundra Town, and I was in D.C. instead, braving the cold only when necessary and largely not having to deal with piles of snow and ice just to get to the paratransit van that would schlep me around town. When we go to a large event like New Year's Eve in Times Square or the parade for the Golden State Warriors after their championship or a protest march or a World Youth Day, or even a major arena concert, things can get fizzy as people file in and jostle for position. We can feel the energy of the crowd ratchet up with undeniable anticipation, waiting for a big moment, the big moment. We want to see and hear and feel and touch and taste, belong. And really, as participants and spectators, we want to be swept up in belonging to say we were there, even when we're peripheral to the story. For President Obama's first inauguration, we were among the enormous crowds filling the National Mall. So imagine the glee and the expectation tinged with excitement and hope and relief. The energy was crackling and electric, even as it was cold enough to see your breath hang in the air and little icicle fogs. And from my wheelchair vantage point, there were people as far as the eye could see, not only on every square inch of ground, but also in the trees that were low enough to climb easily, and even perching on the narrow square roofs of the porta potties. And even with the jumbotrons lining the mall at regular intervals, People just wanted to see, to belong, to claim the moment, to find the kinship of shared experience. With every speech and every performance, 
every greeting and every conversation that day, even among total strangers, that sense of kinship and belonging grew. This scene is what comes to mind for me when I hear the story of Zacchaeus climbing the sycamore tree. Luke loves his outcasts, and with his author's eye, his Zacchaeus, the short tax collector dude, is certainly among the memorable ones. At first, he's content to run ahead, stake out a spot with a good view, and observe the action to see what's going on. But then he gets called down from the tree to be at the very center of things, hosting Jesus and his disciples, and he doesn't feel quite worthy. Honestly, I relate to his predicament deeply as a person who is also short. I never get to see anything unless I can make my way to the front of a barricade or a velvet rope line. And there are plenty of everyday things I skip simply because I don't want the hassle of trying to find a stepladder just to do it. You know, there are days when being short honestly makes me feel excluded from regular life. But before we dive into Zacchaeus's story further, Let's remember first the backdrop which sets it up. The first reading from the Book of Wisdom. It gets us ready and puts our very being into perspective. He writes, Before the Lord, the whole universe is as a grain from a balance, or a drop of morning dew come down upon the earth. That language is exquisite and even heartbreaking in the way that it reminds us Look how small we and our cares are in the scheme of things. But then it reminds us of the wideness of God's mercy, the God who created us out of love, the God who loves us always and anyways and regardless, even when we're broken, even when we screw up, even as we stumble around imperfect but striving. He continues, you have mercy on all because you can do all things and you overlook people's sins that they may repent. God's mercy comes from being all-knowing and all-feeling. Even as God hears us into speech, as the old school feminist theologian Nell Morton would say, even as God calls us into being and loves us into life, that mercy has already set a table of grace for us. He continues, you love all things that are and loathe nothing you have made. For what you hated, you would not have fashioned. So that mercy is extended to us from the very beginning, being created in love, in God's image and likeness to be kin to each other and to belong. So this is precisely where we find Zacchaeus. He just wants to see and he just wants to belong. When Jesus asks to stay with him, as onlookers grumble that he's choosing to stay with a sinner, Zacchaeus gets that nudge that the end of the wisdom reading brings up. You rebuke offenders little by little that they may abandon their wickedness and believe in you, O Lord. Zacchaeus recognizes his own faults and shortcomings and steps up to begin making amends. Maybe it's not perfect restitution for a despised tax collector like him but it's a start. Jesus recognizes that Zacchaeus is also kin, a son of Abraham, and wants to belong, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Isn't that desire for kinship and belonging also our own? Let's take a step back to recognize when and how the desire surfaces for us. 
let us also follow Jesus' lead to extend that invitation to someone else. Offer an opening to someone looking for a place to land, to call home, to be loved unconditionally.